don't beat you over the head with our opinion. And we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio. Voice America Women's Radio Network. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone on Voice America Women's Channel and VoiceAmericaWomensChannel.com. How are you this morning, Lauren? Lauren is my co-host. Um, way out there in Texas. Good morning, Catherine. I'm excellent. <laughs> How are Good. you? So am I. Excellent. You know, this. Well, first of all, I want to talk about the title of the show today. Lauren is body image. Body image. Body good, image. And it's a good women's topic. A great women's topic. Women are always concerned with body image, but so are men. And body. This, this the show today encompasses a lot of issues concerned with body image. One, Jennifer Ackerman. She's the author of Sex, Sleep, Eat, Drink, and Dream, A Day in the Life of Your Body. As she takes us through a typical day from the arousal of the senses in the morning to the reverie of sleep and dreams. And she's going to tell us about the best time of day to drink, to have a cocktail, take a nap, run a race, have sex, take medication, all of those <laughs> kinds of things. <laughs> Need to know that. And then a really interesting man who I had on my other show in Washington, Lauren, Bill Colley. He's a former executive vice president at Bank America. He's a motivational speaker, and he is a quadriplegic. And he has inspired thousands of people with his story. In 1992, he was only 24 years old. He was a Penn State grad, hanging out with his friends at the beach house. Tragic accidents. And in just seconds, what started out as a quick dive into the bay ended in tragedy. Mm. So, yeah, he's going to tell us about his life and what he's been doing since then. So, okay, what's the big news today? In all, every radio station you turn on, every television station, Britney Spears' sister is pregnant. I tell you, oh my God, it's everywhere. Every two minutes, too. Every, yeah, so what's your take on, on Britney? She's 16, she had sex, and she got pregnant. Yeah, and I just say, poor girl. Yeah, poor girl. But yeah. So what do you do? Everyone's very concerned about what do you tell your kids, what do you tell your daughter. Your daughter is two, so you're not going to tell her anything? It won't be, yeah, it won't be My sons deal. are in their 20s. I hope I don't have to tell them anything <laughs> <laughs> if they don't know by now. But so, what do you do? What do what? you do? Yeah, that's, I mean, look at. I just think lack of responsibility. I just get. I get angry about it. Actually, I mean, she, for she's an icon for that age group. She's so, on TV. She's got her own show. Yeah, what's the name of the show? I never watch it. It's one of those shows that's out of my. It's on um, Nickelodeon, so it's. Yeah, I don't know it either. So we're not watching the show. But, you know, I think when you have a star like that or somebody that kids, teenagers, tweenagers respect and look up to and she's the idol, take it's really an opportunity for parents to sit down with their children and talk about responsibility and what happens when you are irresponsible and you have sex when you're too young and you don't use precautions. And uh, It's really kind of a jumping off point, I think, to really talk to and inform your children about... You make such a good point, Catherine. Yeah. You make such a good point because, you know, so many lousy things are difficult or hard things happen in our world every single day. And are we going to use it to um, be negative and bash somebody or are we going to use it to be better ourselves? Yeah, use it to be better ourselves, not be moralistic. I think a lot of the issues with this, so, you know, I'm listening to all, I, I get up in the morning and I listen to other talk shows and stuff. And one of the things, Lauren, is I think parents, it's parents, mothers and fathers who have difficulty talking about sex. What they do is they project their feelings of of 
of inadequacy in terms of talking about sex onto their children, like the children aren't going to be able to handle the information. Right. I've really never seen a circumstance where the child is not able to handle information about sex if it's presented in in a in a, in a good way, in a positive way, accurate, trusting, loving. Kids are pretty good at that. That's not an issue for them. It's an issue for the parents. They're totally embarrassed. True. They're scared. Totally true. Yeah. I think that we we do that a lot of times. Things that the kids can't handle it, and then don't um, don't talk to them about it because we don't know what to do with it. So I think it's always the adult's issue. Yeah, and so in then, turn we make it the child's issue. So the child will grow up now with a new issue and a lack of information because yeah. they do get a lot of information. And hey, folks, I mean you can get information about where babies come from Wikipedia. I would imagine <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> so you really need somebody to sit down with a parent or whomever is your the person who's the closest adult to you taking care of you and talk about uh, what your options are and, 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 and discuss, well, for little kids, where babies come from. I exactly. think it's a responsibility of the parents. I agree with you. 100% it's a responsibility of the parents. And not just the mother, by the way. No, the father. So can, fathers can fathers talk about sex to their daughters? Absolutely. They can? Absolutely. Did your father talk to you about sex? Who Absolutely told you about not. Sex? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to <laughs> and who spoke to you about sex? My mother. My father couldn't talk about it at all to exactly. me. Exactly. No, I don't think father, he could talk no. about it to my brothers. I think it was my mother who told my brothers where babies came from. Or, oh, yeah. no, my father didn't handle that department at all. But there were many departments my father didn't handle. So, yeah, I just. but that's it's a new world. We can, Just because they did it one way and it doesn't make it the right way, it's time to do it. I mean, it's about. I think it's about both male and female adults being responsible. It's a new world, but is are we still the same people biologically? You know, I think that we want to have the benefits of the new world, but we don't want the responsibility of the new world. Yeah. Well, what, but I'm talking about men. Can men talk to their daughters about sex? I definitely think so. Do I mean, they how many, tell their ten-year-olds or their six-year-old daughters like where babies come from? I think that they can. I think that they choose not to. I think that in circumstances, because you say the world has changed, they have to. You have single fathers raising young girls. Um, and may spend half the time with their dads as a, and half the time with their moms, blended families, all of those kinds of things. So I guess as adults, male or female, we have to be prepared to be able to talk to our children or our stepchildren. Definitely. Or our and, grandchildren. Yeah. And there's a lot of men out there that I know, I mean, not that I know a ton of them, but there's a lot of men that are single parents, you know, that are doing it by themselves. They have the responsibility to talk to them just because they're male. You don't ignore that t- that subject. It makes, it just, it it continues a cycle. I had a, a uh, guest on a couple weeks ago, and uh, he's a single father. Do you remember who, what the title of his book was? But he was talking about... That's you know, right. Really, That's was, I remember him. He was great. Schimberg, I think is his last name. I can't name. remember. I'm stunned. Don't, I don't have to listen. <laughs> they come and they go. Once they're off the air, it's you can't true. remember them. I cannot. <laughs> You remember the idea, but not the person. Exactly, yeah. Well, it was either Michael or Bill, but anyway, in his book, he talks about he has, you know, he's a uh, single father, and he has his kids, let's say, half the time, and being able to talk to his daughters about what about if your daughter is at your house and she gets her period for the first time, exactly. you have to be able to talk to her about exactly. that. Exactly. Oh, yeah. thank God my mother was in the house when I first got my period. My father took off. <laughs> <laughs> We wouldn't have expected otherwise. Exactly. <laughs> well, I had that typical camp experience, of course. The minute I got to camp, 12 years old, you know, right on. Uh, yeah, so, uh, but I was well prepared. My mother prepared me well. She was, my mother was had almost her degree in social work. Didn't get her degree, but she had, was just like the last semester of getting her MSW at Columbia. 
So she had all the right information and always gave it. She was pretty cool about that stuff. It's that's great. I mean, yeah, you sound yeah. like your mother was just on the uh, you know uh, cool about lots of things. Yeah, and she was really, really cool. upfront about everything. One, well, we were in New York City. My mother was there. Uh, uh, we had this huge family wedding at the Pierre Hotel. It was beautiful. Absolutely. I mean, it was magnificent. The bride had this dress that was, I think, designed by some French designer, and it was exquisite. It was just beautiful. Great food. We had so much fun. And my son, Johnny, the one who's the rock star, was there. Uh, he, of course, did not wear a tuxedo, so he stood out, but he had this beautiful black shirt on with an orange tie, blonde hair, pulled back. And uh, this is a mother speaking. Anyway, <laughs> their new CD just came out, or is coming out in a week or two, but I kind of I got the preliminaries for the CD, so you need to go to Zox and listen to, you can download it now, I think you can download the new, at least three of the new songs, and one of them is going to be on my show, the intro and the extra to the show. Oh, cool. And, yeah, and I forgot the title of it. <laughs> I play it all the time, I can't remember, but I am going to yeah, change, so if you tune into the Catherine Zox show and you hear different music, it's That's, still the case. Yeah. It's the Zox music. It's the Zox music, and it is very cool. And we are spending New Year's Eve with Zox in Providence because they're playing at Lupo. So we're going to have this like very cool party, and um, that's where we're going to be hanging out. That what are you doing like for New Year's? Fun. For New Year's, we have no plans yet, which usually means either I throw a party or nothing happens. So <laughs> <laughs> throw a party, and it's what? different. You know, it's different being here because you really you don't get that many invitations to things because I don't know that many people. You know. Well, you know a lot of people. You're, uh, it seems to me you're always out. <laughs> I do. I mean, I do. But I have no. We have no plans yet. So we might even get in the car and drive and be gone for a week. Who knows? Well, and you have the baby too. I think it's more difficult when you have the baby. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Because you can't get anybody to babysit for you because all the babysitters yeah. then they're, they're out. Oh. They're gone. Yeah. yeah. So you unless have I booked it a month or two ago. It's amazing. You have to book the nanny, the babysitter, months in advance. All this kind of stuff. Or you yeah. can take her with. Oh, that's what get, I would do. Yeah, we would take her with. And get in the car and just go, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll report in after the holidays and let you know what we end up with. <laughs> <laughs> well, our show, The Social Worker with a Microphone, The Catherine Zock Show, co-host Lauren Beller was, again, the number one show on the Women's Channel. Woohoo! Woohoo! in November. And we were also number one, I think, in October, too. Amazing. Yeah. Not amazing, expected. <laughs> amazing because it's just, I just think this new media is, um, it's attracting people and it's busy and they like they like fresh perspectives and I think it's good. Yeah, I think it's great. And so we got to keep it up now. we got to keep up those numbers, folks. we got to get be number one in December Next, also, yeah. right? Month. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I uh, turned on to my pink magazine and if you want to see Lauren's, Lawrence on Pink Magazine website. It's a magazine, and it's also it's a magazine for women, for entrepreneurial women. It also combines entrepreneurial inform, uh, how to be you know successful entrepreneur, but also has personal stuff too for women. It kind of combines both, which is what I like. Website Pink Magazine as well as the magazine itself, and uh, you can see Big Fish Nation advertised on Pink Magazine. But uh, Cynthia Good was on Donnie Deutsch the other night. I missed it. Oh, I didn't see it either. Yeah, she sent me an email, and I, I don't know what happened, but I, I thought it was last night, but I missed it. I think it was on Monday night. Well, anyway, missed that. But she has, she has tips, uh, and she always has good tips on um, 
what to do, tips for networking success. Some of them we've talked about, some of them we haven't. But one of the things she talks about is, and I found this true because I was in New York and, you know, everybody's exchanging cards, went out for lunch with a lot of people and stuff. And one really important thing, instead of giving all those cards away, you know, you bring your cards with you, you how many do you, you put them in your pocketbook, 50 cards, people take them, they don't look at them, they throw them away after you've had lunch or dinner or your meeting. Just target one key person instead of giving out these cards to the masses. Pinpoint the key people, says Cynthia Goodpig Magazine, so that you know that it's going to have some kind of an impact. I actually don't even give mine out unless I receive one and I feel like it's a valuable, a valuable contact. So I always take the cards, but I don't always give out my cards. But if you see somebody, like you're in the room and you're you're doing the room and you see somebody that you think is going to be... Then I absolutely will. Then you do it, right? Yeah. 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 But I'm very selective. My cards, are, my, my cards are expensive and they're nice and they mean something, you know, to me. Yeah. My cards are cheap. And <laughs> <laughs> I had it made up the night before, but they still mean something to me. And I don't give them to everybody. We have uh, we have to take a break now because we only got about a thirty seconds. So coming up in this hour is Jennifer Ackerman. She's our first guest that uh, we're going to be talking to. Author of Sex, Sleep, Eat, Drink, and Dream. You're listening to Catherine Zox on the Women's Channel, Voice America. Your social worker with a microphone. Talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. I have three children, and I've been raising my 16-year-old sister. Mary Gallagher and her family shared a two-bedroom apartment with eight people. Now Habitat for Humanity is helping her build a simple, decent, affordable home of her own. When we first found out that we were getting a Habitat home, it was like a dream. I kept saying, don't anybody wake me up. Not only is Mary helping build her own home, she'll buy it with a no-profit, zero-interest mortgage to keep it affordable. Habitat came out and built my home, and when Mary started building her house, I wanted to come out and give a hand. We're not just building Mary's house, we're building a neighborhood. There's several more to be built this year, and I look forward to working on each of their houses and seeing the joy of their face when they open the door to their brighter future. Habitat for Humanity. Building homes, changing lives. Support the work in your community. Visit Habitat.org. I feel very blessed. God has answered all of my prayers. We are home. Ladies, are you looking for a place where you can talk candidly about anything and everything? Well, here it is. Timeless Women Speak on the Voice America Women's Channel. We'll talk about sexuality, age-proofing your career, finding your passion and purpose, keeping your brain power, keeping your marriage fresh, dating for grown-ups, plastic surgery, surviving our beauty culture, and much more. Tune in Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific to Timeless Women Speak with Dr. Nancy O'Reilly on the Voice America Women's channel radio that talks with you not at you voice america women's radio network you're listening to the katherine zox show on the voice america women's channel if you'd like to join our conversation this morning call now the toll-free number is 866-472-5788 that number again is 866-472-5788 Welcome back. Thanks for joining us. I'm Catherine Zoss, your social worker with a microphone on the Women's Channel, Voice America Women. 
www.sexwithjennifer.com. And joining me this morning is science writer Jennifer Ackerman, author of Sex, Sleep, Eat, Drink, Dream, A Day in the Life of Your Body. And we're going to take you through a typical day from the arousal of the senses in the morning to the reverie of sleep and dreams. You're going to learn about the best time of day to drink a cocktail. I think I know that one. Take a nap, run a race, give a presentation, or even take medicine. Or... As Jennifer says, a man may actually be able to tell when a woman is ovulating just by looking at her face. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Jennifer. Thank you so much. It's delightful to be here. Jennifer, I'm sitting with a whole list of questions that, you know, suggested questions for Jennifer. The first one is, why did you write the book? <laughs> well, um, I wrote the book because of my own curiosity about what goes on in the body. Um, I, uh, I actually came down with a, a, a pretty terrible case of the flu not, uh, not too long ago. And when I was recovering, it just kind of hit me with a bang that I knew next to nothing about how my body worked, either in sickness or in health. And my first notion was medical school, and I actually went so far as to enroll in a post-baccalaureate pre-medical program. But then, then I really came around to understanding that I wanted to write about the body as an everyman and, and share my excitement about what I learned. So what did you find? What I mean, uh, these are what did what what you know? You wrote the book, you did the research. Um, I'm interested in always in how the research. You know, what you, okay? You decide I'm not going to be a medical student. This isn't the way I want to approach finding out about my body. I want to write about it. So then you have to do research. Where'd you do? How did you? Where'd right. you go? Well, um, I communicated with oh dozens of scientists, and I, I read hundreds of medical and scientific journals, looking really for interesting nuggets of new information about the human body. And I also submitted myself to, to some medical testing and experimentation. I had my resting metabolic rate measured to learn how many calories my body burns in a day. Uh, I'll, I'll say with some pretty disappointing results. <laughs> how many calories? I'm interested in that. How many calories does it burn? Well, in a day? it varies from person to person, um, and mine was was pretty low. It's just over about uh, a thousand. Um, and you know that's uh, that's just rest. That's what your body burns when you're just um, just by running your body. Uh, Did you say in the book, Jennifer, that like sometimes just you can you don't necessarily have to do exercise. Some people they could just be fidgeting around and they lose and they burn calories. Yes, that's right. That's um, something called non-exercise thermo uh, activity thermogenesis. It's called. I love non-exercise thermo act activity thermogenesis. Right, and is it that a gene or do you have? Can you? Acquire it. Oh no, <laughs> that it, ability. It's, it, everybody does it. It's it's all the um, all the fidgeting and shifting position, the standing, the walking, all of your unplanned physical activity in a day can actually burn up hundreds of calories. You know, you're talking. I think one of the overall, I guess, themes of your book, and I think it's really important, is that it's we need to. It's very important to know how our bodies synchronize, how our actions uh, are synchronized with our biological rhythms, because if we don't know that, we can cause real harm to our bodies. So can you explain that to us? Like, it's really important to have this information. Right. Yes, we, we all experience um, circadian rhythms, which are uh, biological rhythms generated from within our bodies that cycle over 24 hours. And we're all aware of our 24-hour rhythms and, you know, sleep-wake patterns, but we also have these daily rhythms in um, a whole host of other body functions, including our body temperature, our heart rate, our blood pressure, our levels of stress hormones and sex hormones, our alertness, and even in the workings of the individual cells of our, our livers and our heart and our lungs. 
Um, and thanks to these rhythms, there really are better and worse times of day for certain activities. So it's important to understand um, the cycles that your body goes through over the course of the day. And, and if, you, if you grasp that, you can actually enhance the mental and physical experience of your day. And now, is it different for each person? Is it that unique? Like it would be different for you, for instance, now you talk about there's a better time today to take medication. Is, is, is that unique to you and your body, which is different than mine, or it's just kind of, it's to more, you, the... Universal. Universal. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, there are definitely universal um, patterns. There, there are individual differences. Our rhythms are... Um, shaped by small variations in the genes that run our clocks. So um, there are, I think all of us understand, there are people who are kind of larks. They're happily up at 5 in the morning and and go to sleep early at night. And then there are owls who are um, much more on a much later schedule and they like to get up late and go to bed late. And um, there can actually be as much as six hours difference in the circadian cycles of an extreme morning person and an extreme evening person. Most people so what does that say for marriage and family? If an owl marries a lark, you're in big trouble. Yeah, it's a recipe do... for real marital discord. Yeah, a lot of people so complain about kind of this. A prenuptial discussion, I would imagine, right? That's you have right. to find out. That's right. Most people fall somewhere in between with the majority in our society at least tending towards sort of mild owlishness. And I will say here, if you're interested in learning about your own pattern of rhythms, whether you're more larkish or owlish, um, I have a link at my website, which is www.jenniferackerman.net. If you click on the title of my book, it will take you to a link at uh, Columbia University where you can do a self-test on your own um, circadian rhythm patterns. Oh, that's great. Terrific. Okay, we'll mention that again also just at the end of the interview. But, you know, the first going along with this, the first uh, word in the title of your book is sex, and I'm thinking about marriage and getting along, and you're talking about larks and owls, and uh, so what would be an ideal time for sex, and that may, it's, as it sounds like what you're saying is it may be different for one person in the relationship than, in, than the other. Yes, actually it's interesting, there are two popular times of day for sex, and, and for most of us it's late at night after 11 p.m., now, I'm a, an extreme lark, so um, I'm not up then. <laughs> but early <laughs> no morning... No for you after 11 o'clock right, at night. Exactly. Fortunately, my husband is a lark also. So <laughs> early morning is a distant second um, popular time for sex. And actually, it's interesting. The, the testosterone levels in the body actually peak in the early morning. So that would... You would suggest that it would spur more interest in morning sex, but... The truth is that our sexual activity is really dictated by the clock on our nightstand, not the one inside our bodies. And we tend to have sex at night because of work and family schedules, not circadian cycles of infertility or sexual desire. So, Jennifer, we're going against our own body rhythms, which is, in the outset, you say, can be harmful, which is too bad. But I guess, as you say, most of us, it's based on children and activities and work and all of those kinds of things rather than our circadian rhythms. Right. You also told, but, you know, getting back to what you were saying about what you said, testosterone levels are high in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I think also you said in the book, like this has to do, I think, with fertility, which is important, or infertility, which a lot of women, especially having babies later in life, that testos- that uh, sperm counts are 
higher in the afternoon than they are in the evening? That's right, and that you know there's um, there's some um, some fertility specialists will you know encourage afternoon sex for that reason, but there are a lot of factors that that uh, affect uh, fertility. So this is one very small piece of it. All right. Well, all right. Now, what else? We're talking about uh, your well. That's sex, okay. But another thing, of course, is very important is our brains. Our, what? Uh, when is your brain at its peak performance? Well, that in part depends on whether you're a lark or an owl. Um, I will say that the ability to think clearly and and to learn can actually vary by vary by as much as thirty uh, percent over the course of a day. Um, and uh, there are a range of factors play into our mental performance. You know, it's everything from what you ate for breakfast to how much sleep you got the night before, the air temperature and air quality, that sort of thing. But there is also a a circadian factor at play here. And for morning types, concentration and the ability to solve complex problems and to reason things out logically tends to peak between 10 and noon in the morning. And evening people often experience um, their mental peak in the afternoon. So it would seem to me that if you're in business, whether you're an entrepreneur or you work for a big company, it's best to have really important meetings between 10 and 2 during the right? not too early in the morning or not too late in the day. That's right. And, and um, there are two areas in particular that some scientists suspect there may be very subtle circadian variations. These are the areas are our de- decision-making skills and our ability to suppress distractions. At our off-peak times, which for a, you know, a... Um, a lark would be in the afternoon, later in the day, and for probably early, very early in the day for owls. That's when people have more trouble ignoring distractions, and they also tend to make decisions uh, without carefully analyzing and evaluating uh, the elements. So these scientists suggest that people do those tasks that require focused attention and careful decision-making at their peak hours. So don't make any of those decisions about asking somebody to marry you, deciding what vacation or buying a house or any of those kinds of things if it's not at the right time of day. Right. Uh, now, I just want to get back to that one question that we had, I guess one of the, the uh, questions that you said could be answered uh, because we only have a couple minutes left, that how can a man tell if a woman is ovulating just by looking at her face? This was one of the most fascinating uh, studies that I ran across. We tend to think of ourselves as uh, our species as one that doesn't convey, uh, reveal our cycles of fertility. But um, th- this was a study of um, uh, men actually judging photos of women taking during their fertile phase of their cycle and during their non-fertile phase. And the men judged the photos of women in their fertile phase as more attractive than those taken during their non-fertile phase. And this was a matter of subtle variations in in lip color and size, pupil dilation, skin color and tone, that sort of thing. And, And I was interested to read of a new study out of the University of New Mexico that shows that lap dancers earn more when they're ovulating. And That's this really it's reinforces this whole preservation of the Jennifer. This whole preservation of the species, I guess. I mean, if you pay attention to these biological clues, um, but which we don't do, though, do we? I mean, it seems to me that the, you know the way our society is set up that very often we're not, we're not attuned to any of those subtle differences. No, we're are much we? more attuned to you know some some pretty straightforward visual cues, but we're also drawn to one another by smell much more than we ever imagined. So there are these subliminal things going on that uh, that we're not aware of, but, but maybe we should be paying attention to. 
Yeah, especially if, if you know, you know, I, I go back to this, you know, as the people get married later in life and they have children in their 30s and 40s and this whole issue of infertility is a big one, um, that it, maybe if we paid more attention to these cues like when to have sex and when you're ovulating and those kinds of things, um, that would be helpful in terms of getting pregnant and having babies. Yeah, I think it's, it's probably true. Yeah. One last question about exercise. What is the, you know, there's a, is there a proper time that we, or the best time of the day to exercise? Morning, afternoon, evening? Well, I will say the best time to exercise is when you feel like it, when it's most convenient or pleasurable. Because what if you don't, don't ever feel like it? <laughs> <laughs> what if you have to force yourself out there? Where, where? Well, you know, if you, uh, yes, the, probably the best time then is late in the day. This is when your perception of your own exertion is lowest, so your workout doesn't feel so difficult. And um, it's also when your body temperature is highest, your muscles are most powerful, and your joints most flexible. It's when you breathe easiest and when your heart is pumping most efficiently. So, um, so that late day workout is, um, is you know, probably a good thing if you resist exercise. Great having you on the show today, Jennifer. And I want you to mention the website again because we just, you know, we didn't obviously didn't answer all of the questions, and there's so much more in the book. Fascinating book: Sex, Sleep, Eat, Drink, and Dream. So the website you told us at Columbia University that we can go to. Right. For, go to my website at www.jenniferackerman.net. Click on the title of the book, and that will take you to a link to the website. At Terrific. Columbia. Have a great day. Thank you so much. And happy holidays. Same to you. I'm Catherine Zox, and you are listening to the Women's Channel, Voice America Women. I'm your social worker with a microphone, and coming up next in this hour is Bill Colley, former Executive Vice President, Bank of America, motivational speaker, and a quadriplegic who has inspired thousands of people with his story. Talk radio that informs, entertains, and enlightens you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. Inner Health Through Homeopathy, hosted by Melissa Birch, CCH, with Dr. Tim Stryker. This show features a weekly discussion about homeopathy, a holistic approach to health care, which treats ailments by bringing the entire body into balance. Homeopathy encompasses and examines the makeup of the entire person instead of focusing solely on a disease or ailment. The healing process involves physical, mental, and emotional changes which come from a wellness within. Homeopathic remedies go far beyond an alleviation of symptoms. They can restore harmony to the body and open paths to a higher level of awareness. Each week, Melissa Birch, CCH, explores a different health issue and individual healing processes with Tim Stryker, MD. Tune in every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Inner Health Through Homeopathy. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh. There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt U.S. Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. 
for the most current and up-to-date information and options in childbearing, family health, and parenting. Tune in to Celeste Ranisi's Timely Topics in Childbirth, broadcasting every Wednesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. If you don't know your options, you don't have any. Tired of those fad diets and exercise routines that you don't stick with? Want to find a better way to incinerate fat and energize your life without those worthless pills or gimmicks? Then tune in every Friday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific to Fitness Truth with hosts Zach Hunt and A.J. Roberts. Achieve your weight loss and fitness goals and maintain them for the rest of your life. The rest of your life. That's Fitness Truth, Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. When I have an asthma attack, I feel scared. It's like tiny nails in the air poke my lungs. I start to cough. Did you know your child's asthma attacks can be triggered by things like shower curtains, a blanket, even a teddy bear? I feel like I'm choking. And there are many other things in your home and your child's classroom you may not know about. For the latest information, call 1-866-NO-ATTACKS. Sometimes I... My parents have to take me to the hospital. Help prevent your child's asthma attacks and avoid the emergency room. Call toll-free 1-866-NO-ATTACKS. That's 1-866-662-8822. Or visit www.noattacks.org. I don't want to feel like a fish with no water. Brought to you by the EPA and the Ad Council. Ladies, are you looking for a place where you can talk candidly about anything and everything? Well, here it is. Timeless Women Speak on the Voice America Women's Channel. We'll talk about sexuality, age-proofing your career, finding your passion and purpose, keeping your brain power, keeping your marriage fresh, dating for grown-ups, plastic surgery, surviving our beauty culture, and much more. Tune in Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific to Timeless Women Speak with Dr. Nancy O'Reilly on the Voice America Women's channel we don't beat you over the head with our opinion and we listen to yours the new face of talk radio voice america women's radio network you're listening to the katherine zoff show on the voice america women's channel if you'd like to join our conversation this morning call now the toll-free number is 866-472-5788 that number again is 866-472-5788 welcome back thanks for joining us this morning i'm katherine zoff on you're listening to the Voice America Women's Channel, Voice America Women's Network. I'm your social worker with a microphone. Joining me this morning is Bill Colley, a former executive vice president at Bank of America. He's a motivational speaker and a quadriplegic who has inspired thousands of people with his story. His life changed forever on August 1992. He was only 24 years old, a Penn State grad, hanging out with his friends at their beach house in New Jersey, and in just three seconds, what started out as a quick dive into the bay ended in tragedy. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Bill. Thank you, Catherine. How are you? 
we almost had a tragic situation this morning. We couldn't quite connect. We got a zillion numbers. I know. I, 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 I was calling in. And I got. I think I voicemail. I didn't know what happened. So I was a little nervous there for a second. I know, but here you are, and that's great, and that's good. And actually, Bill, as, you know, maybe listeners, uh, you know, they listen to my Washington station too. You were on, but we didn't have really enough time to talk. So I said to Bill, "Come back, be on my Women's Channel show. Uh, we'll have more time to talk." Sometimes I say that, and nobody comes back, but you did, and I'm so glad you did. I'm so, happy to be here, and, and, yeah. and welcome the chance to to speak with you and all your folks. And this is the time, Bill, that we do need inspiration. You know, it is the holiday season, and you are really an inspiring person. So first of all, talk to us. 24 years old and this happened to you, a diving accident. Yes. Tell us about it. it. You know, as you mentioned, it was uh, it was just like any other day. You know, it was a beautiful sunny day about 10 in the morning, and I was hanging out with uh, some, some folks, some friends I'd played lacrosse with at Penn State and just some older fraternity brothers, and we were sitting around. I said, you know what, I think I'm going to just go jump in the bay real quick and kind of wake myself up. And uh, I dove off that dock countless times that summer, but this time I jumped up on a, a table so I could clear the railing. I went around the dock, and my foot caught that railing and sent me over the side of the dock instead of the front end. There was a small little, you know, like a slip dock, you know, when you get on and off a boat. Yeah, where you tie up the rope, the end of the thing. Exactly, yeah, up to, the, you know, the, a lower slip dock, and I caught the back of my head on that and instantly broke my neck and, and flopped into the water. Yeah. And so then your friends came, they got you. I mean, I, I assume you didn't know right away that you were paralyzed. You know, I knew I'd messed myself up pretty good, to be honest with you, because I, I could not get my I couldn't get my face out of I wasn't sinking, but I was able to move my shoulders, so I wasn't uh, I couldn't but I couldn't turn my face out of the water, so I was I was actually drowning. And they saw it and realized very quickly that this you know, I wasn't playing a game. <laughs> so they took you to the hospital, obviously. No, actually they, they made a, a incredibly smart decision and I'm very lucky that way in that they, they just kept me in the water. They floated me in the water instead of moving me and bringing me up to the deck or anything, which the doctors think really prevented more damage. Um, I am I'm lucky in many many ways that it was not as severe as it as it could have been, and I think mostly it's because they thought to keep me in the water and float me there instead. Of and waited till the EMT people came, and mm-hmm. that why yeah, and so that they can brace you so that they, they don't. Yeah, they brought a board into the water and put me on the board and strapped strapped me down and carried me out that way. And um, you know, obviously my injury was pretty significant, pretty severe, but it actually could have been worse. So they then after that when you you. you Obviously, then at some point you got to the hospital, mm-hmm. and yep. what happened, Bill? When like after when you knew, when you woke up, or you were able to talk to the doctors, and what did they tell you, and what was your reaction? It's I think a lot of people think it's this conversation of okay, you can never walk again, and you'll never be able to live independently again, and, and you have to deal with it. It was it took some time before that conversation came about because really you don't know for sure when you have a spinal without getting too technical when you have a spinal cord injury. There's quite a bit of swelling and. They don't know exactly for sure right away. I mean, there was no doubt that I was—I had caused a great deal of body, you know, damage to my body, and that very quickly, within a couple of days, it was pretty apparent that, you know, as they said, you know, there's very good chance that you'll never walk again, and and because of the level and severity of your injury, um, you'll never be able to feed yourself, dress yourself. You know, here's an electric wheelchair, and you'll you'll need an aid with you for the rest of your life, and that was made very clear to me in the beginning. But you weren't. It really took a few weeks before it was, you know, the doctor was saying, "Okay, here's the deal." And so, what happened? I mean, here you are, a 25-year-old guy, as you say. I mean, in the prime of your life, mm-hmm. uh, and they're telling you that you're never going to live independently again. Mm-hmm. You're always going to be in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, to me, it would seem. I mean, did you go into a depression, or you know, I know that part of your perspective now is life on your terms, and you've certainly mm-hmm. done that. But this is, you know. 
at the beginning when you are suffering this, and I, it's a loss. It's, or it's a, I mean, it has to. Obviously, it is a loss, mm-hmm. physically, emotionally, mentally, in, in all different kinds of ways. It, it, it is in all those ways and, and more, and it's it's very difficult to even sort of put into words what it's like to to deal quite honestly without with what I had to deal with. But I was very lucky in a lot of ways. I had an incredible family and an incredible group of friends who literally started showing up the next day. You know, friends started coming in, and there'd be five, ten, fifteen people in my room, and that was incredibly important. But I think it all gets back to how you want to look at it. You know, it absolutely was a loss. But is it a loss that you can't overcome? Is it something, you know, I saw it more as a challenge. You know, they were telling me that I couldn't have the life I wanted. And I think what happens with most people is they don't really know what they're capable of. I had no idea what I was really capable of until that day. You know, if you'd asked me or told me the day before my accident, hey, Bill, all this is going to happen to you, and this is what the doctors are going to tell you, um, you know, you're paralyzed, you won't be able to, you'll never be able to live independently, I would have said, okay, you're right. The medical experts have all weighed in and, you know, who am I to question that? But when you're sitting across from those doctors and they say that to you, it becomes a very different conversation. Then it's that challenge. And you're the kind of guy, of course, obviously, uh, who accepts challenges and and goes goes with it, and obviously what you've done, and, you know, you've done some incredible things. Um, and you have your own, you've, well, you first of all, you went on to, I mean, to, you have your own consulting company, Bill mm-hmm. Colley Speaks, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and you're speaking now, but and you also work for you know executive at these big corporations. Got mm-hmm. you know married, three mm-hmm. children. Yes, yep, three little ones. Yeah. <laughs> How old are your kids? And our oldest is uh, almost four and a half. So they're babies. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy around the house. Uh, yeah. Stop by for lunch. It's a lot of fun. I, I, I've done that. I've been there and I've done that. Yeah, okay. Three little boys. No, thank you. I'll wait a few years. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah, but you know, Bill, this is the question. I mean, this mm-hmm. is you know, everybody's okay. You're a very smart guy. You were a smart guy before and a smart guy after your spinal cord injury. You know, so um, although I think this is one thing that, and I I don't want to digress, but I don't know if this is a problem that you face, but I often find that when people see an individual in a wheelchair and if they have a physical disability, they assume that the person also has a mental disability. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Do you experience that at all? I do. I will, um, I'll, I'll be out with people, uh, with my wife or my friends, and we'll go to a restaurant and someone will say, well, where would he like to eat? And I'm like, well, <laughs> and kind of raise my hand and I'm like, well, I'd probably like to eat over there by the window if that's okay. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I mean everybody, no one, me- no one does it, you know, they, they're not doing it in a mean-spirited way. I think they're just not familiar or they're, or they're you know, not quite sure how to approach and uh, I just quickly step in and say, oh, I'd like to sit over there and, and just try and ease, ease the, the little bit of awkwardness that goes on with that. So it yeah. does happen. People will sometimes talk louder to me. Yeah, talking loud, I think, is a big thing. It is. Because uh, yeah. I, I, defi- I had a friend, and uh, she was in a wheelchair, and everyone was screaming at her. I mean, it's like, I don't have a hearing problem. Yeah, trust, yeah I don't move my legs, but trust me, the ears work just fine. Exactly. Uh, but again, they, you know, they, it's all, they, they just, uh, they're not quite sure how to approach it. So people are uncomfortable, and so that's what they do, right? But yep. what would you say was the biggest issue for you? I mean, I mean, you said to me, I think when we were talking before, you said, uh, you know, I don't want people to see me um, as a paralyzed person. I forgot how you said it, but when I hung up and I, after talking to you, I thought, you know, I'd be with Bill, and after five minutes, I wouldn't see the chair. I, can't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I thought about that. It's, it's really, I really think people will see you as you see yourself, and... I wasn't a, a quiet, shy, timid kind of person before my injury. Not that there's, you know, everybody has different personalities. There's no right or wrong personality. But my personality wasn't timid and shy and kind of quiet. Um, I tended to be 
the guy that was in the mix it was at the party was you know fairly decent a decent athlete and you know doing the things that I wanted to do with my life and just having a good time and I decided very quickly that you know I could be a guy who was in a wheelchair trying to live his life and trying to do what he wanted to do or I could be a guy who's living his life doing all the things that he wanted to do with his life who just happens to be in a wheelchair and you know it may sound like you're just sort of splitting hairs but it's a very different approach and attitude towards life and and I don't know how or why but it seems to work because yeah. people I constantly what you said I constantly get people say you know I forget you're in a wheelchair we'll be going somewhere with a group of friends who have been with me for 15 years and they'll say hey let's go to that restaurant I say okay well who wants to bump me up and like you know up the stairs and like oh god we forgot you're in a wheelchair Bill <laughs> <laughs> and these are people I've known you know all my life and yeah. have been with me um, so it really it, it's how you see yourself and you know I, I don't hide the fact that I'm in a wheelchair it's out there for the world to see but I'm not going to act like I'm in a wheelchair. Yeah, and and, and you, yeah, I want to talk about some more of those issues that you're talking about, like with your friends, but also get into some of the family stuff because mm-hmm. I think what people are thinking, wow, you know, you had this accident, then you got married, then you had three kids. How did you do it? You know, <laughs> uh, Bill Colley, uh is uh, our guest this morning. I'm Catherine Zox, and you're listening to the Women's Channel. I'm your social worker with a microphone, and uh, we'll be back in a minute. <laughs> Talking about what you care about. News, relationships, health, finances. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. Tired of those fad diets and exercise routines that you don't stick with? Want to find a better way to incinerate fat and energize your life without those worthless pills or gimmicks? Then tune in every Friday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific to Fitness Truth with hosts Zach Hunt and A.J. Roberts. Achieve your weight loss and fitness goals and maintain them for the rest of your life. The rest of your life. That's Fitness Truth, Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. When I have an asthma attack, I feel scared. It's like tiny nails in the air poke my lungs. I start to cough. Did you know your child's asthma attacks can be triggered by things like shower curtains, a blanket, even a teddy bear? I feel like I'm choking. And there are many other things in your home and your child's classroom you may not know about. For the latest information, call 1-866-NO-ATTACKS. Sometimes I... My parents have to take me to the hospital. Help prevent your child's asthma attacks and avoid the emergency room. Call toll-free 1-866-NOAH-ATTACKS. That's 1-866-662-8822. Or visit www.noattacks.org. I don't want to feel like a fish with no water. Brought to you by the EPA and the Ad Council. Let's face it, hormones happen. Whether you're a male or female, hormones have an impact on your overall well-being. Dr. Hart brings to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel timely topics that answer your lifelong questions about hormones in men, women, and teens. Tune in to Optimal Wellness every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Optimal Wellness. Live life well. Live life long. Live life to the fullest. We talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. 
You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. I'm Catherine Zox. Welcome back. I'm your social worker with the microphone. Thanks for joining us this morning. And if you are just joining us, my guest is Bill Colley. He's a former executive vice president at Bank of America, motivational speaker, and a quadriplegic who has inspired thousands of people. Trying to get pregnant? Need vital information on fertility and reproduction? Then tune in to HaveABaby.com Live with host Kim Han, brought to you by the Share Institutes for Reproductive Medicine. From enhanced embryo selection and male infertility to third-party reproduction and pre-implantation genetic diagnosis, Kim Han and the doctors from the Share Institutes cover the questions and concerns that... Welcome back. I'm Kevin Zox. Don't know much how, if you heard anything before, we actually got disconnected. But anyway, you're listening to the Women's Channel, and I'm your social worker with the microphone. I hope you can hear us now. Bill Colley, if you're just joining us, is my guest, and he's the former executive vice president of Bank of America, motivational speaker, and a quadriplegic who has inspired thousands of people with his story, which is what he's doing right now. So, Bill, before we took the break, are you there? I am here. Yep, I'm here. <laughs> Someone's trying to disconnect us. Yeah, I don't know what's going on here, Kathy. I don't know. But, uh, you know, we're talking about your business and friends and and what it's like for you uh, being in a chair, having a spinal cord injury. But, of course, the first thing that everybody's thinking of, let's face it, 24 years old, you have an accident, you wake up, um, like, how can, you know, what about sex? What about a normal sex life, intimacy, getting married, having children? And you have three children. So Mm -hmm. tell us. Let's talk to, let's. Yeah, I mean, it is, uh, we, we have three small children, uh, we go through, we, we did what I think many, many people do in this day and age, though, is we use a fertility clinic, um, and everything, and, you know, we're, we're very fortunate. We've, we've done both artificial insemination and in vitro, um, and so we are, from, from, from a technical standpoint, we're absolutely able to have children, so we're very, very lucky that way. Um, and also in terms of int- intimacy and, and, being with uh, being with my wife, we're able to do it. it really, just uh, it's normal. I will say that the uh, the uh, the birth of Viagra has not been a bad thing for me. Oh, I'm glad you brought that. What an advertisement! Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Uh, but you know, um, it is you know it, it involves a little bit more communication, especially in the beginning, and, and certainly a little bit more comf- being more comfortable with um, marriage in the beginning. But we, you know, was something we both love each other and want to be with each other so it's something you can work out you just have to make the effort and and and, and try and i would imagine bill that you would be more i guess there would be a whole in, in certain ways there's a um, i guess there would be a very 
a higher level of intimacy. I mean, you really are, I mean, and trust and all of those mm-hmm. kinds of things, which really does make for the best sex and creativity. And uh, I, I think that probably, I, and I, I'm not putting words into your mouth, but um, and I don't want to do that, but I would imagine that that would be part of it, part of uh, that there would be more of a closeness and a certain sensuality because you have to be more creative about your, your intimate relationships with your partner. You know, there, there's, some, there's a level of trust, um, and that just has to be there. Really, on I think personally on my part, I was uh, again a young, active, um, and sexually active 24-year-old when I got hurt, and uh, I was so to go from that to someone who's paralyzed from the chest down, whose body looks a little different, um, doesn't act and function the same way. Um, I was not someone who would just you know, the, I hate to say it this way, but a quick bar hookup and those kind of things weren't really something I did uh, after my accident because I just wasn't as comfortable and confident in myself at that point, which was Did, did anybody help you, Bill, in terms of rehabilitation? I'm sorry? Did anybody help you in terms of rehabilitation? Is that part of the rehabilitation process? You know, because, you know, doctors tend to just focus on what's wrong with you, not... I mean, obviously they want to, you know, the, sort of the medical issues, but all those psychosocial issues and mm-hmm. issues dealing with intimacy and sex and those kinds of things. Did you get that kind of help or support at the it's, rehab it, hospital? It's it's out there. Uh, it's out there, and you can use it. I kind of took an approach of I whether it was no matter anything therapy related and, and emotionally and things I deal with. I kind of took those on. On my own, um, and that doesn't necessarily. It's not necessarily something I would advise for people. It really depends on you as a person and what where you are. But I didn't really need to rely on the social workers and the the hospital staff. It was kind of a let me try these things first. I want to try them before I do all those other things that you you all suggest. So it was a little bit of a kind of maybe a bit of a cavalier approach, but it was it was working for me, so I kind of stayed with it. Yeah. Well, you're an independent guy. I mean, you're that kind of personality. So, yeah. But a lot of people aren't, so they right. do need help and support, and you and also... I, yeah, I would strongly suggest that, because there are wonderful services and outreach groups and all those kind of things that really... People have been there, done that. And so when I say that, and I try to be careful, and I talk about that, I sort of kind of was a little bit more cavalier and was a little bit more independent-minded on those things. That's not necessarily the best road to go because um, there are wonderful groups and the folks at the hospitals, the social workers, the hospital staff, the doctors are a wonderful resource. So I wouldn't turn them away. I just kind of was trying my own path first. Yeah, know who you are, what your needs are, and be able to ask for help if you need it. If you need it, absolutely, yeah. and it's out there. And you also work with family and friends, Curing Paralysis. That's yep. a group, a nonprofit group. What is that group, and, and how can get people get connected to that if they need it? I started a nonprofit probably about seven or eight years ago um, to raise funds for spinal cord research and rehab um, because I was very lucky to have a, an incredible network of people and around me, and I, I started to learn that a lot of folks in my situation didn't. So it, it's really geared towards um raising funds for spinal cord research and for rehab, uh, both, because I think eventually they're going to, obviously they're eventually going to cure it, but in the meantime people need help um, getting back on with their lives. So we tried to focus a little bit on both. And um, I don't actually, we don't actually have a website for that, but I can give my, uh, I'll leave my email, my email address now. It's bill at billcauleyspeaks.com. And certainly if anyone is interested, I'd be happy to talk to them more about it. Yeah, you need a website for that. It seems yeah, we have to get that. We've had quite a bit of success actually up to this point, but things have been a little hectic these days with the kids yeah. and the work and the new job. No, I should talk because I'm trying to get my website up so I can give advice, but I'm not doing the same thing. Uh, but, you know, I was just thinking about the children because I was thinking about, do you have boys and girls or a combination? We have both, yep. We have two. Uh, uh, my oldest is a daughter, and then we have a guy in the middle, and then a, a little girl, our 18-month-old Mary Kate. 
Yeah, and what's the response of the children? I mean, here's my dad. He's in a wheelchair. He comes to my swimming lessons and all the stuff you go to and, you know, all their activities and stuff like that. Do they get embarrassed? Or, I mean, they accept you. You're their father. But, I mean, are they, do they, you know, the other children? Is there any kind of stigma attached to it or you know, I, it's it's not. I mean, kids are kids are amazing. You know, I in the beginning I was worried before we had our first, before we had Liza Jane. I thought, you know, how am I going to hold my kids and how? Because my hands are are significantly impaired. So for me to even pick them up is extremely difficult. Um, but my oldest daughter paved the way. I mean, she just climbs on my feet and climbs on my lap and started doing that at like a year. Um, so they're not intimidated. They're not embarrassed by it at all. And I think that that makes other children very comfortable. I thought kids would be nervous around me. I find kids pushing me, pulling on me, grabbing me <laughs> constantly um, because I think partially because they watch my children interact with me and my kids aren't phased by it at all. And again, I, th- I, does, I do think it goes a little bit back to sort of the attitude I talked about before, which is, you know, I don't see myself as a guy in a wheelchair. I see myself as the dad. I mean, I coached my daughter's soccer team. I was out on the grass. I was out in the field pushing around. Kids were pushing behind me, chasing, running <laughs> around me. Um, if I had sat on the sidelines in the corner, then they probably wouldn't approach me. But they saw me out in the middle of it and didn't think twice about it. That's uh, great. So yeah, I think it's watching my kids, and then I think also a little bit does certainly come back to my approach and my attitude towards my situation. Yeah, uh, Absolutely. I mean, you're an incredible guy, and it sounds like you've got an incredible family, too. We didn't even get to your wife. That's the next. <laughs> <laughs> that's another show. But anyway, that's a whole, that's only, a whole other topic. Yeah, that's a whole other topic. Um, but I want to, uh, the website, because we only have like 30 seconds left, oh, sure. yep. anybody wants to get in touch with you? Yeah, they can They can reach me. There's a couple ways to get me. It's didnotstopme.com is one way to get me, didnotstopme.com. Another way, if they just want to email me directly, bill at billcauleyspeaks.com, and it's C-A-W-L-E-Y. And I have uh, quite a few different things also that, you know, I've got a different perspective on some things and, and how to approach life in adversity, and I've got some articles that I'd be happy to share with people. And I'll actually, if I can mention, I'm going to be doing a teleseminar, uh, a free teleseminar on achieving goals and how to achieve goals, especially around New Year's resolution. If they're interested in that, they can email me at bill at billcauleyspeaks.com. Bill Colley, as always, great talking to you, and uh, we will definitely keep in touch. And if listeners need more information, I will direct them to you, to your website, and to the phone numbers you gave us. Have a great holiday. Uh, Catherine, thanks so much for the time, and it was wonderful talking to you. Happy holidays to everybody. Enjoy them. Yes, thank you. Happy New Year. Right <laughs> We're back at into, Yeah. You're listening to Catherine Zox, and I am on the Women's Channel, Women's Network, womenschannel.com, your social worker with a microphone. Have a great day, great holidays, and I'll see you next week.